Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. I had a conversation the other day with someone that was trying to convince me that the new math, or more commonly known as common core math, was better than the old classic way of teaching math. He said the other countries had students uh, that were taking the math test scores and doing better than our students were, so we needed to do something to change that. Well, let's just stop there for a second and review that thought. There are countries that have better test scores in a certain subject than we do. And the first thing that we do is totally change the way that we've been doing math. Just scrap that. And we scrap it for a way that that is not doing any better now. We're, we're scrapping the way that we've been doing things successfully for hundreds of years. And, and it's led us to produce some of the best mathematicians in history. And for what? Well, he said that the old way of doing math that we and I had had learned in school, I'm sure you did probably as well, would be okay. But in order to do more than just get through life, kids needed to learn math the common core way. This was the way that our math test scores would improve. Doing more of what we started with Common Core since the early 80s, he said, would help our kids score great on their math tests. Well, he must have been using Common Core math, is what I thought, because math scores are plummeting in this country. Things are not getting better. They are getting worse. What percent of the U.S. students are proficient in math? The national average math proficiency in this country is 38%. That's this year's figures. 38% of our U.S. students all over the country are up to grade level in math. That's terrible. So the educational system created a problem when they emphasized and prioritized other things other than math. And then they said they were going to fix the problem by throwing out what they should have been teaching in the first place and replacing it with something totally different. And then when it has been proven over the last 40 years to be a huge failure, they say, well, we just need to keep doing it and not return to the past when uh, you know, what we did worked. Oh, and we need more money. <laughs> that's, that's always the caveat, right? So, so the real problem is that the public education system in this country is focused on things that have little to do with real learning for students. They prioritize the wrong things and force their value system on kids. They are in charge of teaching. I mean, this is why we see stories of school districts like Fairfax County Schools in Virginia, where they are letting kids take sex education with the opposite biological gender, as long as they identify as such. 
Or another case in point from a series of articles from the Daily Wire comes this. A, a New York male to female transgender teacher manipulated a fifth grade girl to adopt a male name and pronouns, which caused the, jo- the child to have suicidal thoughts. This is from a new lawsuit, and this is what it alleges. That according to a lawsuit filed in, in Suffolk County Court by the girl's parents, a fifth grade teacher at Terryville Road Elementary School in Port Jefferson Station, Deborah Rosenquist, this is the name of the teacher, allegedly forced the child to use a male name and pronouns. The parents learned of the social transition months later, months later, when their daughter drew a picture that, and then said, I want to kill myself. The family's lawyers, uh, lawyer, Deborah Webnick, uh, told the New York Post that Rosenquist manipulated a preteen female into changing her gender identity when the child did not feel any inclination to do so. According to the suit, Rosenquist began calling the nine-year-old Leo and using opposite-sex pronouns at the beginning of the 2021-2022 school year, continuing to refer to the student as such for months before the parents were notified by the school principal in January of 2022. The student reportedly met with the school psychologist and said she, quote, was confused about her gender identity, unquote. The parents were supportive of the name change if it was requested by their child, but were doubtful that their daughter actually wished, wished to identify as a boy. And that's kind of interesting in itself. But they are, they are concerned that the teacher had significantly um, just deviated from the school's curriculum and taught material on gender identity ideology to young students. We're talking about nine-year-olds here. The lawsuit states that Rosenquist pursued her own agenda outside the curriculum, which included persuading her fifth-grade students to try being gay or being another gender, even though they were not. To further her agenda, Rosenquist read and provided her students graphic books about gender and sexuality, which were not on the curriculum. This is what the lawsuit alleges. Now, Rosenquist authored a LGBT-themed book entitled I Am Neither and reportedly kept it in the classroom. Additionally, Rosenquist allegedly read When Aiden Aiden Became a Brother. It's it's a book about chemical and surgical child sex change procedures. We're talking about fifth graders here, nine-year-olds. And and she did so even though it was not a part of the official curriculum. After an investigation was launched, it was discovered that the last one, uh, uh, that that at least one of the non-curricular books definitely was present in Rosenquist's classroom. Now, the parents learned that Rosenquist had allegedly been reported for abuse. But get this, nothing happened. Nothing had been done about uh, about this because Rosenquist's position as a tenured teacher. So in in what uh, my question here is this, in what other profession can someone abuse children and not have anything done 
because of the length of time that they've worked there. It makes no sense. And according to the suit, the parents met with the school's principal and the superintendent and assistant superintendent in February of 2022. The administrators admitted that the issue was not handled properly and that they had not known about the off-curriculum materials used by Rosenquist. The parents are accusing the school of negligence in failing to properly monitor the classroom and train and, and supervise staff. Maybe, you know, I don't know, cameras in the classroom might be good. The lawsuit alleges that the student in question was placed in a different classroom, but is now being bullied and ostracized by her classmates. <laughs> of course, the family is suing for unspecified damages after having to pay for lawyers' fees and psychological treatment for their daughter, claiming that the ordeal has caused the child to suffer from humiliation, anxiety, emotional pain, and trauma. Now, according to the, uh, the family's uh, lawyer, the, their daughter continues to identify as female. At no point did she identify as male, said the lawyer, uh, Wabnick. And, and the notion that she identified as male was foisted upon her by Rosenquist. The psychological and social damage Rosenquist caused this child and her family was immense, she added. Rosenquist was reportedly removed from the classroom, but is now teaching younger students. <laughs> and here's what Wabnick said. Incredibly, the district still has Rosenquist in the classroom where she can simply harm other innocent children. Now, the uh, uh, Kamswagu uh, School District Superintendent Jennifer Quinn said in a statement to Fox News, after a thorough investigation and um, consultation with our attorney, action is being taken in accordance with acceptable laws and collective bargaining agreements. Please be sure, um, please be assured that this is being done. You see, they're not going to do anything here because it's not a part of the bargaining agreement. And, and this isn't a one-off incident. These, these incidents, there, there's more. Uh, an 11-year-old boy from Maine shocked his school board when he took the microphone during a meeting and read aloud from a sexually graphic book that he said he found on display in his middle school library. According to a report published by the New York Post, uh, Knox, uh, a sixth grader, Knox uh, Sajak, uh, spoke before a mid-February meeting of the board of Wyndham Raymond School District, also known as RSU-14. And as he stepped up to the lecture, a lectern, he explained that he was reading, he was going to read from a page of this book. Now, I want to give just a little bit of a warning here. We try to keep this podcast acceptable for all family members to hear. In this case, I think it's important that we play a little bit of what he uh, said to the, uh, the to the school board uh, um, at the school board meeting to the school board. In in this case, you may want to fast forward about two minutes as there will be some explicit language here. And this will happen in three, two, one. Hi, my name is Knox Zajac. Uh, I'm 11 years old and I go to Wyndham Middle School. I'm a sixth grader. I was in the library and 
This book was on a stand. I'd like to read you a page. My back over my hips as I asked if we should take off, take our clothes off. And he's saying yes before I finish my sentence. He's pulling off my t-shirt, laughing when I can't undo his shirt buttons. He's undoing my belt. I'm reaching into his bedside drawer for a condom. We're kissing again. We're rolling over. Obviously, you can see where this is going. I don't know if it's because we're feeling especially emotional or just tired. Or these past couple of weeks have been too much. But this reminds me so much of the first time we had sex. We were both fucking terrified. And the whole thing was kind of terrible because we didn't know what we were doing. But it was good too. So good. Because we were a mess of emotions. And we were scared and excited. And everything felt new. So this sort of thing, this sort of feels like that. Nick touches me like he's scared that any minute. Now, this book was at my middle school, and it was on a stand. When I rented it out to show my dad it, uh, the librarian asked if I wanted more and if I wanted a graphic novel version. The book you just heard him read from, which has a recommended age limit of 14 and up, was called Nick and Charlie and was written by Alice Osman. Now, it follows the story of two teen boys who get involved in sexual experimentation after sneaking alcohol from their parents. And as you heard, the book was on a stand near the entrance of the library. So it was being shown off. It was, it was, it was something that, that the librarian definitely wanted the kids to see. Now, the boy's father, Adam Zajac, uh, reportedly spoke up at the same meeting, and he also explained about how access, uh, accessible sexually explicit material was to children who were well below the recommended age for subs, uh, such content. He said this, he says, quote, this is bull poop. He said, we do not need to be having literature that is showing boys how to suck, well, male genitalia. You may think the schools know what's best for our children. You know who who knows what's best for our children? The parents. <laughs> I would totally agree with that. Now, Knox uh, Sajak, he explained in a uh, subsequent interview that he had taken the book to the school board because it made him uncomfortable to have something so graphic and readily available to himself and other students his age. And, you know, we expect educational professionals to supervise these children, but we do we, we should not expect that any longer. Take for instance this story about a black about black students at an Ohio elementary school reportedly forced white students to say black lives matter. And when some students balked, they beat them up. Newly released surveillance video and and you can you can look this up. It's a little disturbing, but this, this surveillance video from February 10th at, at a Kenwood Elementary School shows a student in a white shirt taken by two other students to the swings where a third student knocks him to the ground. And then later, another student is carried there and dropped to the ground. Lastly, another student gets shoved to the ground right next to him. So they're all lined up on their knees. Now, school principal... Evan Hunsager uh, stated that a few of the students who had tried to avoid the situation were chased down and escorted 
dragged or carried to the spot on the ground. One student was also punched in the head by one of the subjects. This is according to the Springfield, Ohio police report. Quote, according to a Springfield police report, a group of black students forced white students to say black lives matter against their will. Some of the kids were assaulted as this happened. This is uh, reported by WHIO. Quote, the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act prevents the district from disclosing personal information um, about details uh, uh, about the discipline of a child to anyone other than their parent or guardian. This is according to the school district. And what they said, they added this, moving forward from this experience, the district is working closely with counselors, mental health experts, and multiple county partners and agencies to provide support to children and staff directly involved, as well as those not directly involved. The district will use this experience as an opportunity to strive for greater acceptance, grow, and reinforce community connections. Oh, boy. Daniel Haar, who said his son was one of the children thrown to the ground, told WKEF, quote, just because it's reversed discrimination or reversed racism, it's still not all right. But wait a minute. We're told by Black Lives Matter and black leaders like Kendi and things like that, that that it's not enough to not act racist. You have to be anti-racist. And in order to do that, you have to be racist against whites. These kids are just playing this out. This is what they've been taught. They're carrying this out. Har's wife uh, woke, uh, I'm sorry, wrote on Facebook, uh, quote, Kenwood Elementary Families, I just wanted to let people know that my 12-year-old was, re- was really forced on his knees Friday and to say BLM. Watch your babies. This is getting unsafe, she said of her son. He's not excited to go to school at all. He's terrified. And I really feel like they should at least be expelled. I think a lot of people feel that way as well. And on February 20th, Springfield Police announced... They were pursuing charges against the assailants. But the only reason for that is that this story got out. Many school districts don't involve anyone else in such matters as they try to handle things in-house, especially when it is the, the result of things they are teaching the kids, like in this case. And a huge part of the problem is that the values being taught to our children are not the same values as the as those of the parents. An Arizona school board wearing a member wearing cat ears during a meeting said she would oppose having a contract with a Christian university over the religious and biblical beliefs they espouse. This is from Fox News Digital. And they said that the Washington Elementary School District, which serves students in the Phoenix Glendale area, had an ongoing contract with Arizona Christian University for five years. This resulted in enabling their students, uh, student teachers to be placed in the schools for field experience. The contract opened up an opportunity for recruitment and hiring as well. And on February 23rd, the school uh, board um, agreed on a motion to dissolve the partnership with the Christian University. 
Fox News asked the school board whether they had a bias against Christian beliefs, and they said the board's decision to discontinue its partnership with Arizona Christian University was based on the board's commitment to create a safe place for LGBTQ plus students, staff, and community. This includes not, not knowingly entering into partnerships with any organization that explicitly discriminates against protected classes covered by our non-discriminatory policies. That's what they said. Now, during the meeting, the school board member, Tamila uh, Valenzuela, um, blasted the university over its Christian beliefs and said she was disheartened to learn about the contract that had been going on for the last five years. Venezuela described herself as a, get this, a um, bilingual, disabled, neo-divergent, queer, black Latina who loves a good hot wing, but only with the right ranch, and things that sparkle. Quote, while I fully, full-heartedly believe, and this is interesting, while I full-heartedly believe in the religious freedom of people being able to practice whatever faith that they have, I had some concerns regarding looking at this particular institution. And she said, and I think it's a really, it's really good time for us to take a moment and really pause about where our values lie. So, so what she's saying here is as long as you believe what she believes, then she'll, she'll support your religious freedom, but not if you don't. And while I, and just what she says, and while I understand we are currently in a situation across the nation that we have a teacher shortage and and recruiting, it's really difficult. So they know that they can't get good teachers right now. It's really difficult to do that. And they're cutting off an avenue in which to do that. Quote, my concern is when I go to Arizona Christian University's website, they are committed to Jesus Christ, accomplishing his will and advancements on earth as in heaven. Part of their values is to transform the culture with truth by promoting the biblically informed values that are foundational to Western civilization, including the sentence centrality of family, traditional sexual morals, and lifelong marriage between one man and one woman, she said. Whoa, can you believe that? Quote, I want to know how bringing teachers from an institution that is integrated in their values so directly brings impact to to three of our board members who are a part of the LGBT community. She added that the board recently added their pronouns at the uh, diocese as a solidarity move with the LGBT community. You see, <laughs> she's not the only one on the board, by the way. Uh, there, there, there's other board members that, that agreed with her on all this. So this public school system publicly states that they only want to deal with those that are uh, that have their value system and, and nobody else. That doesn't sound very diverse to me, does it to you? So how do you handle this kind of bigotry from the left? And, and, and well, you know what you do? 
You don't play their games. For instance, there is a Christian school, a girls' high school basketball team in Vermont, who withdrew from the state's playoff tournament last Tuesday because it refused to play against a team that had a biological male on its roster. The Valley News reported that the that the the number twelve seeded mid Vermont Christian school girls' basketball team forfeited their game against the number five seed Long Trail because the team did not believe it was fair to play against a transgender athlete. That's what you do. You don't play their game. You see, n- n- there's not not everything is bad about the public schools. Uh, let me make that clear. And parents still have a say in what happens there. Take, for example, this. We did a, 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 uh, an episode of this podcast on the Canadian school teacher who made headlines about wearing uh, the, the massive Z-cup prosthetic breasts in class. Well, according to the Toronto Sun, he is now, it's, it's now being reported that he is now on um, on leave. He's not any longer teaching. Now it's on paid leave currently while they do some more investigation, but it was found that he was actually not wearing those breasts outside of the classroom. And now he's, he's not saying that that's the case. In fact, he says he wears his prosthetics all the time and that the pictures that were taken were not of him. Uh, and, oh, and by the way, they're not prosthetics. They are real. Uh, I mean, he's, he's a delusional guy. Okay. And, 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 and because of the pressure that has been put on this school district, they have put him on leave again, paid leave, but at least that he's not teaching children at this point. Okay. And, 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 and like I say, not everything that happens in the public school system is bad, but as we've seen here, the values of many of these educators are not, they're not conducive to educating children and thus bad things happen when you have these different values and they're completely taking out any kind of a religious value system, right? When that happens, then bad things are going to happen to kids and letting them educate our children is something that, well, we may need to rethink today. And you may agree with me on that. You may completely disagree with me on that. I would love to hear from you on this. And of course, you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.